0: What's life without a little bit of comedy, isn't it great? Um, As you walked in this morning, you may have noticed there was a few differences out in the lobby area. Uh, We've now got a few different tables set up and things. There are some things out there, you're welcome to grab that food when you come in and just stand and talk and fellowship with some folks. There's a little connections table. Uh, We're gonna tell you a little bit about that as we go along with some of these other announcements. Uh, If you are here today and you are visiting with us, we are so grateful that you came. Thank you so much for coming out on this Easter Sunday. We know that uh, still with COVID going on, it can be a little bit tricky and weird, and a little bit strange. But we are grateful that you are here. In your bulletin, there is a little QR code. One of those things you scan with your phone. If you're visiting with us and you'd like to connect with us as a church, you're welcome to scan that little code. It'll pull up a little spot where you can just drop in your information. That will send that straight to us, to the church, and we would be greatly appreciative of that, just as we can make that connection with you. Uh, if you are interested, we are looking for folks for greeting ministry. Now that we are shifting some things around in that lobby, we would like to be really uh, making sure that we have some folks out there who know how to smile, know how to greet some folks, who know that that sounds like, wow, that doesn't take very much, Pastor Pete. Smile, greet, say hello, we get it. Let me tell you, the greeting ministry can be one of the greatest ministries in the church in helping people to feel welcome when they come for the very first time. So, if that is something that you would like to do, we would love to be able to have enough folks to be able to make a nice rotation, all those kinds of things. Please either come see me, uh, or go up straight out to the Connections table out in the lobby, and you can sign up straight uh, right there at the Connections table. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Long moment. It is now spring, and you can see that the grass is starting to grow. Uh, we are going to need some lawn care around the church. This, again, is another thing that you can either go to the church website and sign up, or you can go to the Connections table right after service while you're thinking of it, and sign up there. So we encourage you to take part in that as well. Uh, there is going to be children's ministry resuming today. It's kicking off today. We are excited for that. Uh, We've got three classrooms. Nursery is for babies and toddlers. The uh, lower elementary classroom is for current preschoolers and first graders. And uh, the upper elementary classroom is going to be for second grade through sixth grade. So, after the sermon, or excuse me, right before the sermon, we will dismiss the kids and they can head toward their classes. And we will be having uh, children's ministry starting back up again today, so we're excited for that. Uh, there is no triumph this evening, uh, as it is Easter Sunday, so enjoy your families, folks, and uh, have a good time with them. Bible studies are going to be starting up again. Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, the Ladies Bible Study will resume uh, at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. The uh, Thursday w- uh, morning Bible study at noon will start back up on the following day, on the 8th, uh, up at uh, Crafty's coffee shop so we encourage you ladies to jump back in this week and then the men's bible study is planning on starting back up not this Wednesday but the following Wednesday the 14th. So we encourage you to be here for that if you are able to. Uh, I believe that is all my announcements. So let's see let me pray. Father oh, heaven thank you so much. We're allowing us to be back in your house today to worship you. Father, it's a special day. I can remember last year when, uh, when this room was empty and we were attempting to celebrate Easter. And Lord, the fact of the matter is we celebrate no matter where we are. We celebrate no matter what's going on because the fact of the matter is your son still rose from the grave. He still conquered death and he still beat sin on our behalf. So it doesn't matter what we are doing, what's going on, what this room looks like at a given moment. The fact of the matter is that your son still did what no one could do. He still took away our sins. And that's something that he's come here to praise you for. To give you so much glory because there's no way that we could have repaired our relationship with you. We have no hope whatsoever apart from Jesus. So Father, we are grateful to be in your house this morning. To be able to worship you this morning to be able to focus our minds and our hearts on what pastor trevor has prepared the words that you have given him so that this morning we can give you all the glory that you deserve pray all of this in jesus name amen we've got a brief video for you to watch it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood a beautiful day for a neighbor would you be mine could you be mine It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so.
1: We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord we are one in the spirit we are one in the lord and we pray that our unity may one day be restored and they'll know we are christians by our love by our Times where everyone is so divided how can we be a good neighbor feeling all of his mysteries and making everything as plain as day and if I have faith to say to a mountain jump and it jumps but I don't love I'm nothing if I give all I own to the poor or even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr but I don't love I've gotten nowhere so no matter what I say no matter what I believe no matter what I do I'm bankrupt without love.
0: It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day
1: in this beautiful... It's going to be very impactful. I think it's going to be very challenging in multiple ways. Uh, as we look at really who is our neighbor, uh, how do we go about being neighborly, and what has Christ called us to do in terms of going out and reaching our neighbor uh, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the eight-week sermon series is coming up uh, next Sunday. We're excited to have you be part of that and looking forward to uh, having Lord challenge us with his teaching, as well as mold and shape us more and more into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This morning, we are going to start off with a message, and I'd like to start off with this statement. The most important thought you will ever think is what you think about God, because it will determine every aspect of your existence. These are the words that my professor, Dr. Jeffrey Bingham, said at the start of our church doctrine class. It was interesting because that morning we were very excited to get going, we were looking forward to moving forward essentially and understanding more aspects of our Christian faith. And interestingly enough, as we came into the classroom, things were sort of quiet, the lights were off, we sat down, we prepared ourselves, and obviously the time for the class came and went, and there was no professor. We started to kind of wonder what was going on and wondering if perhaps he had forgotten. Maybe we were in the wrong spot. We all obviously checked our syllabi, wondered if this was indeed the place we were supposed to be. And then sure enough, Dr. Bingham walks in, turns the lights on, turns to us, and says these words. The most important thought you will ever think is what you think about God because it will determine every aspect of your existence." He then turned around, turned off the lights, and walked out of the classroom. That was probably the most impactful moment in my time at Dallas Theological Seminary. Those simple words, stated so eloquently, yet so forcefully, yet so individually, it caused me to begin and ponder truly think what do I think about God and do I understand that what I think about him will determine every aspect of my existence not only on this earth but in life eternal the fact of the matter is whether we like it or not all of us are theologians thinkers about God so let me ask us a question what do we think about God Or gods, or angels, or maybe good thoughts, or maybe good people, or maybe prophets. What is God? Who is God? Are there many gods? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Who am I? Why am I here? This morning, the title of the message is Are You Headed the Wrong Direction on a One Way Street? And one of the things that I think is important for us to remember and recognize is, is we celebrate today the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a glorious day, and when we rejoice in the fact that indeed our risen Savior Jesus rose from the dead, it is the pinnacle of our Christian faith. However, what we need to begin thinking about is what do we truly think about God. Interestingly enough, prior to Jesus' crucifixion, through a multitude of statements, Jesus was demonstrating to the world around him, indeed, that he was the Messiah. There were multiple times where he would speak and essentially give clues to the fact that there was something very different about him that he was more than just a good guy, that he was more than just a prophet, but indeed he was the Son of God or God in the flesh. A lot of people might say, how did I get to God? That's the question we're going to ask this morning. Is there a road back to God, and if so, how do I get there? Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to just encourage you for a moment that uh, several of you might be sitting here and say, well, I know the roadmap to God and I'm going to just now relax and I've got it all answered. But the question I ask to you is according to an article back in Newsweek. When asked, is Jesus the only way to be saved? Many professing evangelical Christians didn't say yes. That's concerning. Because Christ is the only way to be saved. And this morning we're going to discover the reason why and the magnitude of what Christ has done on the cross on our behalf. If you have your Bibles with you, let's turn essentially to John 14, verses 5 through 14. And this is pre-Jesus going to the cross. He's with his disciples. Uh, They are asking him certain series of questions And interestingly enough, Jesus is going to give them another I am statement that is essentially defining and declaring who he is. Again, we're in John 14, we're going to pick up in verse 5. And Thomas is essentially asking Jesus a question. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me? Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The most important thought you will ever think is what you think about God because it will determine every aspect of your existence. Jesus is essentially pointing out again another statement or an I am declaration to his disciples, citing them in and giving continual clues that indeed there is something greatly different about him than any other individual in the history of the world. He is declaring that indeed he is the Son of God and that he will be the one who comes and atones or pays for our sins. The first thing that I want us to see is is Jesus' declaration is very clear. And in the verses 5 through 7, essentially what is being proclaimed here is, is that the only way to God is through Christ. The only way to God is through Christ. That's a very bold statement. In fact, it's a blasphemous statement that ultimately will cause Jesus to go to the cross. The penalty for that proclamation in Jesus' day to say, I am God, is death. Death. And Jesus says it anyway. So that should make us take note. Because by singing what he's singing, Jesus is sealing his fate. But we have to recognize this. That Jesus didn't come to give us a better life. Jesus didn't come to remove us from tough situations. Jesus didn't come To give us the job that we want. Jesus came because we were dead in our sins and needed a savior. Friends, that's the message that we celebrate this morning. That's the reason that Jesus came. Now praise God, if in coming to Christ, Jesus has done things and your life is better, that's essentially the charity on a Sunday. But the reason that Jesus came, the mission that Jesus had, was to be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. Friends, that's why we rejoice this morning. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the fact that we were dead in our sins and that while we didn't want anything to do with Jesus, he first loved us. That's why we rejoice. Jesus is essentially declaring to everyone, indeed, his deity. He is declaring who he is. When we see Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, there's a couple of things that I want us to recognize. First and foremost, in the original language, we have to see that Jesus, via John's was read by recording, is using a definite article. Now, that may not be important to us, but indeed it is because that declaration is definitive and it's singular. It's not, I am a way of many or I might be a way. It's, I am the definite article way. The way to what? I am the way to the Father. I am the way to eternal life. And he continues on and he says, I am the truth. Friends, this morning, if we're looking for truth, truth is not relative. Truth is not the own truth that we think, the own truth that we want to justify. Truth is here. Truth comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And he is the life you want life, you want life eternal, you want joyous life in Jesus, then go through him and him alone. That's what Jesus is proclaiming. Now to back this up, it's interesting because this is one of the seven I Am statements that Jesus says that John records. And it's interesting to show and demonstrate the definitiveness of what Jesus is proclaiming as well as essentially the bold proclamation saying, Remove everything else. Remove all other gods. Remove what it is that you are looking for. He's even turning to the Jewish people and saying, Friends, I know that you are looking for a Messiah. I know that for centuries you have been longing for someone to come. I am He. I am the Lord. Interesting enough, in John 6, 48, he says, I am the bread of life. That's important for the Jewish people because obviously food and blessing was important to them to show that indeed they were blessed by God. He comes and he says, "I am the bread of life. You want to be blessed, you want to be whole. I am He." He says in John eight twelve, "I am the light of the world." Now Jesus wasn't bringing about electricity. He's saying that the world is spiritually dark and I am the light to it. I am the one who will bring about salvation for mankind who has been separated from God because of their sin since the day of Adam and Eve. I am the long-awaited Messiah. I am the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth. And when you look at me, you look into the very eyes of my Father because the Father and I are one. And we live and we reign and later on, he will be given the power of the Holy Spirit of which we celebrate the Pentecost. We see in a moment when he speaks to Philip the importance of the doctrine of the Trinity. Friends, that's another thing that I want to encourage us in. We want our Heavenly Father, yet so many churches are removing the aspect and the importance of the triune nature of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one, but yet three. The Trinity is the essential core of our belief, recognizing indeed that what Jesus is doing as the Son is the will of the Father. And we go back into the prophecy of Isaiah and we recognize that the will of the Father is to crush, bruise, beat, and destroy His Son so that those who yell crucify, those who cry out for His death, those who want to remove him from the world can have eternal life. John ten nine says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Saved from what? Friends, it would be remiss to celebrate resurrection Sunday if your pastor got up here and said, praise God, Jesus is alive. He's risen from the grave without sailing all of us The reason he did is because apart from Christ we're dead in our sin. The whole reason why Jesus rose from the grave was to make us alive with him and him alone through the ultimate sacrifice that was paid on that cross so that we, dead in our sins, might have eternal life. That's what must be reconciled. That's what must be proclaimed. Friends, this morning, you sit here. We sit here rejoicing in our Savior, but I remind all of us that we all once were apart from Christ, dead in our sin. Let's reflect on that. Let's rejoice in that. Let's also therefore boldly yet humbly in brokenness go out to the world that is still in darkness and proclaim that message to them. We're not better than anybody else. We're not above anybody else because we are saved. By God's grace, we are saved through his mercy and his love, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if ever there's a time when the church should go out and boldly proclaim the message of Jesus, it's now. He continues on, and he says this, and this is interesting. In John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. There's a clue that something's coming. There's a clue that something big is about to happen. There's a clue that Jesus' mission isn't there to be an earthly king, to have people worship him, and to free the nation of Israel from the tyranny of the other governments that surround them. There's a clue that indeed Jesus' kingdom is much bigger. Jesus' purpose is much greater than what anyone can possibly imagine. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Think about that for a minute. We rejoice on this side of the cross. We are blessed to be on, essentially, chronologically, the other side of the cross of Jesus Christ. But imagine if Christ had not gone to the cross yet. And here is this individual whom you're standing before, and he turns to you, and he says, I know the way to eternal bliss. You got to do this. You got to do that. And you got to do these other things. No, he says, I. Okay, now this is weird, but I'm not Jesus. But let's just look at me. Look at my eyes, right? I am the definitive, definite article resurrection and the life. Resurrection from what? Life to what? Friends, again, what's going on here is is Jesus is proclaiming indeed that you, we, are dead in our sins apart from Christ. And that his ultimate mission is to go to the cross, to die upon it, to rise from the grave of which we rejoice and celebrate today so that what? We can have eternal life with our risen Savior. He then continues on with the words here John 14, 6 I am the way, the truth, and the life No one comes to the Father except through me You want to come to the Father You want to be born again You want to be saved from your sin Then turn to Jesus Christ And trust in Him and who He is And what He has done So that we might have eternal life and then the last of Jesus' I am statements found in the Gospel of John is in John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Again, a reference to the fact that if you want to be part of the garden, I'm the vine, I'm the conduit to bring you to the garden. These are the words that Jesus boldly proclaims. These are the words that ultimately will cause the Pharisees and the Sadducees the religious people of the day to turn on Jesus because his proclamations are concerning. His proclamations are blasphemous. His proclamations are destroying the little seed church. And so their answer is, let's get rid of him. But all along, Jesus' mission is to go to the cross on our behalf. These words in the Gospel of John are also then proclaimed throughout other aspects in the New Testament. I'm just going to share a few with uh, with you to reiterate the exclusivity of Jesus' claim. In Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is none other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I stand before you this morning not saying that, look at me, I've got it figured out. I don't stand before you this morning exalted above others. I stand before you this morning as a sinner saved by grace through faith in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I also stand before you this morning saying, are you headed the wrong direction on a one-way street? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want life in the Father, it is through our Lord and the Savior, Jesus Christ, alone. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. The most important thought you will ever think is when you think about God because it will determine every aspect of your existence. This morning I humbly ask you, what do you think about God? When someone comes to you and asks and says, you know, I'm wondering about how or if or where or is there a heaven or is there a place that I go after death or are we all here just for the reason Should we all just be merry and kum se, kum sa, go about life? And is this all there is? What will you say? Friends, lovingly, I tell us, and I encourage us, it's a joy to celebrate the resurrection. I love seeing Facebook posts about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But also lovingly and humbly I tell us it means nothing if we don't tell people why Jesus rose from the grave and what he did so that we might have eternal life. It's just another pretty picture. I don't mean to minimize the resurrection. I don't mean to minimize Easter. But I also need to tell the church that Easter, the reason Christ rose from the grave is because we were dead in our sins. And the only means for us to go to heaven and be with our Father is through Jesus Christ. Why can Jesus make such a bold claim? Remember and recognize that these statements that Jesus is making are essentially what causing him to be incriminated and then ultimately punished through the most ridiculous, unjust trial ever in recorded history while being the one who is just and righteous, died on our behalf to impart his justness and righteousness to us who are unrighteous. That's the story. Jesus makes this bold claim, and he turns to Philip in verse 8. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, you, you essentially saying, if you want to see the Father, and remember, okay, all of these individuals for centuries were awaiting the arrival of God. In Jesus' terms, he says, Philip, if you want to see the Father, just look at me. Now I want to take a minute, I just want to, We're like, come on, Philip, like, why wouldn't you get that? Friends, let me ask you this. In your life right now, when you're looking and you're wondering about life and the challenges and the things that are there, where you're going, what you're doing, what life is all about, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you look at Jesus first, or do you look to a whole bunch of other things, a whole bunch of other self-help books? A whole bunch of other self-proclamations. Do you throw in a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of the horoscope? Or do you look to Jesus? Jesus turns to Philip and he says, if you want to see the Father, look at me. Look at me. And then he continues on and he answers why he's making such a bold claim. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And this is sort of the the proclamation indeed that Jesus is God in the flesh. It's a statement alluding essentially to the triune nature of our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The words I say to you are not just my own. So Jesus isn't just saying, hey, you know, I'm a prophet. I'm a good guy. Or I'm sort of this guru that can point you in the direction of a God or God's or possible direction of nirvana or bliss or even heaven. No, he's saying the words I'm telling you are not my own. They are my father's words. Because I am God in the flesh. Now that should take note because if that's what Jesus is saying in the words earlier where he says I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father except through me we should then say there's a bold authoritative aspect that indeed if Jesus is the Son of God then he has right to proclaim those words. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus is looking and saying, believe what I've said, but also look back to what I have done. Look back to the miracles that I have performed. Look back to what you have seen, because there is something that is different about me. And then we see the fact that when Jesus makes this claim, and he explains this to Philip, the reason that he does is Jesus makes a clear claim to his deity. He makes a clear claim to his deity and his relationship with God the Father. He doesn't say, I am a God. He doesn't say, I am a prophet. He doesn't say, I am a good person. He says, I am God in the flesh. and I am the son of the Father. And if you want to see and have a relationship with the Father, then it is through me. So what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? This morning we celebrate Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it's a blessed time. But we must look back to rejoice in what is. I was thinking about this the other day. and I think it'd be interesting. How many of you uh, get together with friends sometimes and ask them, how was their week? Anybody do that? Right? How was your week? You're know, like, let me tell you about it. Right? Your friend comes over and they're like, oh, you know, I was doing this and this happened and this person called me and this didn't happen, etc., etc., etc." I wonder what would happen if I got together with Jesus and asked him about his week. What would Jesus say? Let me tell you about my week. You know, last Sunday, I came in essentially being hailed as king of Israel. I rode in on this donkey. And you know, part of that was interesting, but it was really this answer to prophecy. And everybody was excited. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, great is the Lord, He is King, He's here to save us. And everybody was pumped up and it was excited. We were about ready to celebrate the Passover, that's what was going on. And then, you know, things just kind of moved forward. The next thing you know, as I moved on, things started to change a little bit. Monday came around, and um, I think people sort of started wondering who I was. I think there were some people behind me that were saying some different things about me, some backstabbing. I think that uh, churches that were there were starting to say, you know, we need to do something about this guy. And then uh, I went and I spent some time on Tuesday doing some things and encouraging the disciples. And Wednesday came around, and uh, interestingly enough, that's when. Uh, One of my greatest followers betrayed me for silver. In fact, he was the one that really I thought might be closest. And we talked long and hard. And I talked to him about who I was and what I was doing. And really wanted to have a relationship with him. And, you know, they came along and over 30 pieces of silver for his own profit. He said, yeah, there is Jesus and we'll set up a way for you to crucify him. And then, interestingly enough, at that time, I also spent time washing my disciples' feet, showing them indeed that I loved them. And the reason that I washed their feet was to show them my love, but to them, show them how they can have love for one another through me. We had a meal. We talked a little bit about the fact that I was going to give them my body and shed my blood so that they might have life. It was a joyous time, But to be honest with you, I don't know that the disciples really understood what was going on, but I knew what was happening. I knew what was coming. I knew where my destiny was. And so then I separated myself and took some time and I prayed and I said, Father, you know, if there's any other way to do this, then may it be so. But if this is the only way, then your will be done. And I don't know about you, but you want to talk about stressing out over an assignment or stressing out so much. It was so stressful that I sweated blood. And I sat there and I prayed and I knew what was about to transpire. And then sure enough, I went and I endured this trial of a system. A system that rejoiced in how ethical it was in its criminal system. They came and they put me on trial. And to be honest with you, that trial was the most unjust, cruel, and unrighteous trial in recorded history. But yet I kept my mouth shut because I knew that my father had told me that I had a job to do. And so after the trial, those people that so worshipped me before, that were so excited about my entrance, were now the ones who were spitting on me, throwing stones at me, and yelling for my crucifixion. And yet, I remained silent. And so I went to the cross, and I endured the cross. Let me just tell you about how painful that was. That's the most humiliating form of punishment and death in the day that I lived. It was reserved for the lowest of the low. It was reserved for the deepest, darkest, most hated criminals of that day. And I didn't do anything wrong, but that's what I got. And so I went to the cross and I had the nails put in my hands. I had the nail put through my feet. And I don't even want to tell you about how painful that was because I am fully man yet fully God. So I felt that pain. And I sat, and I endured. But what I want to tell you is this. I did that for you. That's my week. Oh, and Piaz, by the way, the story gets better. Three days later, after dying on the cross and paying for your sin, I rose from the grave. But that's the week that I want to tell you about. I did that so that you could have life through me because I love you and I want you to have a relationship with me. Now I did this not so that I could show how great I am. I did this on your behalf. And oh P.S. by the way, I just want you to know that when I was on that cross, I had this deep and intimate relationship with my Father. We have been connected throughout eternity in heaven and as the sins of the world, your sins, the ones that you commit every day, and yes we do, Don't tell me we didn't. Were laid upon me. And because they were laid upon me. My father is so perfect. As those sins were laid on. My father for the very first time. Turned his eyes away from me in shame. Because he could no longer look upon me. And I cried out to him. I said my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And then I died. But I didn't die. I didn't die like you will. I didn't succumb to death. Death didn't overtake me. When all of the sins of the world, all of the sins that have been committed and will be committed by you, were essentially paid for by me. And the world and the enemy thought it was over. And everyone thought that I was a joke. And everyone thought that what I was doing had ended in shame. In my time, in my place, and in my righteousness, I said, it is finished. Friends, what is a it? That it is our sin. That it is why we come here today. That is why we worship. Our sins, what we do, are paid for fully by the perfect sacrifice once and for all. It is finished. And so I went to the grave. And people wondered. Many thought it's over. Many turned away. Many wondered what was going on. And a few, a few wondered what was next. But no one thought what was about to happen. But had they listened, had they heard, had they heard the words, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. Whoever's enters through me will be saved. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the tree line and my father is the gardener, then they would have known. They would have known that there was more. They may not have understood what was to happen, but they would have known and anticipated something greater. And then, friends, guess what? On Sunday morning, the tomb was empty and I'd risen from the grave exactly as I had said. What does this mean for us? Well, let me tell you about my week. That's the week that I've had forever. And I'd be like, don't worry about mine. It's good. (laughs) And then he turns and he says, I did that for you. That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. The Resurrection is a glorious time, but you can't appreciate the Resurrection without recognizing what Christ went through to be the Resurrection. What does it mean? Well, this is where I want to go today. It's by believing in Christ. Our sins are forgiven, and as His children, we bring glory to God. So then, after that, Jesus turns and he says, so let me tell you why I did this for you, Trevor, or insert your name. I did this so that you could be my child. So there, you're telling me, Jesus, that there's a, there's a road to God. Yes, I am. I'm telling you that it's through me, and that I died on the cross to forgive you of your sins so that you might have eternal life. And I did that by being the perfect sacrifice. So there's no other worry. There's no other need. There's no other area that you need to look. There's no other God. There's no other religious system. There's no other plurality of things. There's no, there's no other else's that you need to do. You just need to believe in me and turn to me. And you will have eternal life. Now that you have eternal life, get out of the car. I'm too busy for you. I don't want anything else to do with you. That's not what Jesus says. No, he says, no, my son, my daughter, come, you are part of my family. You've been adopted into my kingdom. The adoptive process is by what I've done on the cross for you and your belief in me, and now you have full rights and privileges to my kingdom. Come, eat and be blessed. Come be part of the banquet feast. Your inheritance is secure. That's what I've done for Now, in knowing that, in believing in my name and recognizing who you are, I want you to go forward and I want you to be the church. And you're going to do great things. I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to prepare a place for you That's what I'm doing. And while I'm doing that, I need you to be here. To be the light in the world. To bring glory to my name. And as you bring glory to me, you will do great things. This is interesting because a lot of people look at this and they think, well, is Jesus saying that like what he did isn't great enough? No, that's not what he's talking about. We can never emulate what Jesus has done in our What Jesus is saying is, I've come, I've taught. I've come and proclaimed. I've come and I've shown you who I am. But what I'm going to tell you is I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die on it to atone or pay for your sins. I'm going to rise from the grave to triumph over sin and death. And then after, I'm going to be among you for a while. But then I'm going to go to heaven to prepare a place for you. And it's up to you to spread my name. But don't worry, you're going to do great things. Interestingly enough, on the day of Pentecost, more people came to Christ in that one instance than Jesus' entire earthly ministry. It's not saying we're better than Jesus. Jesus is amazing, but he's saying you're going to do great things. And then little by little, The message of Jesus and the kingdom of God expands throughout the world. To a little place called Penor, Iowa, in 2021, where people come to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Is there a roadmap to God, and if so, how do I get there? The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Friends, I say that seriously, I say that humbly, but I say it also forcefully. Why can Jesus make such a bold claim? Because Jesus makes a clear claim to his deity in relationship with God the Father. Everything that Jesus says, Jesus will do. Everything that Jesus said, Jesus has done. Think about that. So, God, am I yours? Are you coming again? Yes. Jesus will come again as the victorious king. And he will establish his kingdom. But what I love about Jesus' statements is everything he says he will do. Everything that he said has been done. Everything that has he said that has yet to be done will be done. And that is where we can go in humility yet confidently that indeed our Savior will come again. If Jesus can rise from the grave and triumph over sin and death, Jesus can and will return as the victorious king to claim his church, the Bride of Christ. So what is this all about? Well, a few things. What I want to encourage you today is this. We've heard and we've listened to that statement by Dr. Jeffrey Bingham. the most important thought you will ever think is what you think about God, because it will determine every aspect of your existence. So I leave you lovingly with what do you think about God? And how is that determining every aspect of your existence? By mercy and grace, the Lord Jesus Christ has saved me from my sin and it has turned my life from a self-ruled life, one of which I wanted things for me and me alone, to a life of selfless sacrifice, to go and proclaim the message of my Savior Jesus Christ so that others might know it was a turning away and turning toward, or what we say, repentance. And every aspect of my existence, trust me, I am not perfect, but every aspect of my existence is to point toward Jesus Christ. As a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus, some days I do that better than others. But that's what I want my existence to be. Let me say this. C.S. Lewis, I think, sort of summarizes this. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If this is all just a news, if this is all just a hoax, then we really don't need to worry about it. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, then friends, that's what we need to proclaim, and that's what we need to believe. Let me ask this: where are you in that belief? Things for you. Sort of the take home truth that I want to encourage us in is this God allows U turns. God allows U turns. Little pun, sort of, are you headed the wrong direction on a one way street? But you can make a U turn. Essentially, you can turn and repent and turn back to God. You can place your faith in Christ and bring glory to God. Some of you, this might be sort of the first time you've heard this message. This might be sort of the first time that you've heard that you're a sinner in need of a savior, yet there is a savior, and his name is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what I would encourage you in is is I don't think that you're here by coincidence, I think you're here by providence. And lovingly, what I would tell you is that if this is moving in your heart, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. God doesn't expect you to have your life together before you come to Him. He was already perfect through our Savior Jesus Christ. So make it turn Turn away from your self willed life and turn to a life with Christ. And brothers and sisters in Christ, let me tell you this. Please don't just sit idly by and say, well, I'm saved and therefore it's good. Last time I checked that once we were saved, we're still here. There's a reason we're still here and that is to be the Church of Christ. And so lovingly, I ask you to reflect in this next moment as we pray, to say, where do I need to make some U-turns in my life? Where have I allowed the world to come in and permeate who I am? Is it a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of this? Or is it Jesus? And then lovingly, may we go out and truly boldly proclaim Resurrection Sunday. But lovingly, I tell you, when we proclaim Resurrection Sunday, don't forget the week that Jesus had before. The resurrection means nothing if we don't understand what Christ has done to get us to that place. Go and tell others about it. Go and tell people that you were dead in your sin, that Christ came into your life, that Christ removed your sin and you are saved by him and him alone. And that is offered to any who choose to believe. Let's take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning we thank you indeed for your word. We thank you for the joy of your resurrection. We thank you for the fact that you went to the cross, that you died upon it to atone or pay for our sins, and we are grateful and rejoice that you didn't remain in the grave, but rather you rose from it. Lord, that is the triumph. But also, Lord, may we recognize the severity of what you had done. May we recognize the reason why you had done it. That was so that we, being separated from God because of our sin, might have eternal life through the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb, our Savior Jesus. May we realize, too, that the extremity of what Christ had done, the extremity of what the Father allowed, was because it was a payment to atone for the wrath of God so that we might have eternal life. And the only way that God would be satisfied would be by giving his perfect son on a cross as the ultimate sacrifice. Father, if that's not the ultimate expression of love, then I don't know what is. May that resonate in our hearts when we recognize that when we didn't love God, he, first loved us, and that because of that love, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we are part of his family. Our inheritance is secure. We know the way to God, because it is through Jesus Christ. And Father, may we rejoice in that fact, (coughs) and as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior Jesus, may we go and tell others about that glorious story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We can't have good news without the bad news. But when we look at the bad news, the good news becomes, oh, the much more sweet. Because the good news is the reality of who we are and what we've been separated from, which was the bad news. We thank you. We love you. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and through our Heavenly Father, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.